The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Well, coming into this Week 18 matchup against the New York Giants in New York, 425 kickoff time. Normally, we would be breaking down what the Giants are doing, the X's and O's, Week Martindale's heavy blitzing scheme, Tyrod Taylor starting at quarterback. Now, the Eagles just played this team two weeks ago. Nothing has really changed with the Giants. So you can go back and listen to my conversation with Ed Valentine from a couple of weeks ago, and you'll be all caught up in what's been going on with the Giants. But of course, the Eagles narrowly defeated the Giants a couple of weeks ago in a game that was much closer than it should have been. And of course, the Eagles come into week 18 having lost four of five and appear to be a team in total disarray. So the purpose of this podcast is that we are to keep an eye on the enemy, right? We're, we want to keep an eye on what the that week's opposing team is doing. And during the offseason, we take a look at all the different contenders around the NFC and make sure that we're keeping up to date on the Eagles' biggest threats to a potential Super Bowl appearance. But coming into this Week 18 matchup, with the Eagles at 11-5 and and having lost four of their last five games after starting the season 10-1, and seems pretty clear to everyone watching this team, following this team, that the biggest enemy the Eagles are facing here in Week 18 and, and beyond is themselves. And so that's what we're going to focus here on. We're going to kind of zoom out a little bit and take a, a big picture look at what we have seen through the first 17 weeks of this season and look ahead to week 18 and really more importantly, the playoffs and the potential offseason to come. Because certainly our hopes of a repeat appearance in the Super Bowl after week after week 12, after 11 games when the Eagles were 10 and 1, has taken a serious hit. Now, I will also say... And I, I want to be clear about this, that the Eagles are still, I believe, somewhere in their DNA, a good team. But they are certainly playing like a bad team, especially on defense. We're going to talk about Nick Sirianni. We're going to talk about the players. We're going to talk about the change of defensive coordinator. And we're going to look ahead to the playoff uh, scenarios for the rest of the teams in the NFC this week as well. And we'll take a look at the AFC too, uh, just because we are one week away from the postseason. But as we take a look at this Eagles team and what's been going on, it, it's clear that there is not one single thing to blame. I don't even know that there's one thing that's most to blame. There's the head coach. 
There are the assistant coaches. There are the players. There's the front office. This has gone. I, I listen. I've been I've been a diehard Eagles fan for 35 years. All right. I've watched since Buddy Ryan's first season in 1986. I've seen seven head coaches walk through those doors. I've seen dozens of coordinators and thousands of players come and go. Over the course of this week, I've listened to a dozen podcasts, a lot of talk shows, talking heads, pundits, a lot of the all 22 guys breaking down film, X's and O's. I've heard all of the takes from all sides of what is happening here with the 2023 Eagles. And so let's just take a moment and reset where we are. In this, the year after their Super Bowl loss, a year in which the Eagles also lost their two top coordinators, Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. Now, I, I would argue, and I still do argue, that Jonathan Gannon is not a good coach. I don't think he's a good defensive coordinator. I don't think this defense would be a whole lot better under Gannon than it is right now, though it probably would be a little bit better because at least the scheme and the players would be the same. They all know each other. But I thought Jonathan Gannon was addition by subtraction, and I still generally feel that way. Pretty clearly, the Eagles have missed the offensive consistency, the play-calling consistency that Shane Steichen has brought to the table. But it's fair to wonder, and I certainly do wonder if Shane Steichen was still here, if the Eagles are running the same concepts that they've been running for the last three years— the NFL appears to be catching up to what the Eagles were doing. Would Steichen be able to pivot and do something different? I don't know. We won't. We don't know the answer to that question, but it's possible that this offense would look similar with Shane Steichen as offensive coordinator as it does with Brian Johnson. I don't know that for sure. I think the offense would be better with Steichen here as the offensive coordinator. Certainly when you lose your top two coordinators after a Super Bowl loss, that's going to hurt you. And not only after Gannon left did they lose their defensive coordinator, they also lost a number of assistants who walked out the door. So that meant almost the entire defensive coaching staff needed to be replaced. And during the course of the offseason, they had to replace a number of defensive starters on that side of the football. And yet here they are 11 and 5. Most teams that lose the Super Bowl do not make the postseason the following year. That Super Bowl hangover is real. And this team, despite most of their wins being single-score games, they played a very tough schedule. They played a number of the of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL and started 10-1 and one, and clinched a playoff spot before anyone else in the NFL. But of course, the wheels have come off. No team has ever started a 10-1 season and then lost four out of five. No team has ever started a season 10-1 and one and not won their division, which the Eagles are in danger of not doing if they lose against the Giants on Sunday and the Cowboys beat the Washington Commanders in the nation's capital, which we all expect to happen. Washington is looking to tank for that number two overall pick. Dallas desperately needs that game. And despite the fact that the Cowboys have had some issues in Washington over the years, I don't think this is going to be one of those times. For the Eagles, the wheels have come off. It is interesting that if you'd spread these five losses out during the course of the season, we would feel much differently about this team. But it's all about momentum heading into the postseason. But the fact the wheels have come off is true. But this is still a talented team. They put six players into the Pro Bowl. A.J. Brown is going. DeAndre Swift. Jason Kelsey. Landon Dickerson. Lane Johnson. Five guys on the offense. And that's, that's not even counting Jalen Hurts. Hassan Reddick is the sixth player to go to the Pro Bowl. The, the Eagles have three first alternates in Hertz, 
Jake Elliott and Darius Slay. This is a talented team. And I think it's important to remember that this is a talented team. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that the Eagles are great and that they're definitely going to turn it around. But this is not this is not a bad football team in terms of talent, in terms of roster, especially on the offensive side of the football. But they've lost four of their last five. Last Sunday's loss to the Cardinals was the worst loss I've ever witnessed in the regular season especially from a defensive standpoint. I have, listen, there may have been poor statistical performances by an Eagles defense over the last 35 years. I'm sure one of those Juan Castillo defenses or one of those defenses during a rebuilding year had a poor statistical performance against a great quarterback. But none of those poorer statistical performances were turned in by a team as talented as this Eagles defense. And it's not a great Eagles defense, but it's probably a middle-of-the-pack defense talent-wise. And it should, based on the money that's been invested and the draft capital that's been invested on the defensive line, should be good enough to be, at the very worst, a middle-of-the-pack defense. It's got talent on it. But none of those poor statistical performance could possibly have been by a team as talented as this Eagles team is going up against an an offense as poor as Arizona's. On Sunday's performance against the Cardinals was the type of performance that under different circumstances would get people fired. And it will probably ultimately result in a complete defensive overhaul unless something radically changes here in the playoffs. It's clear the team is going to need to fire everyone associated with this defense. Sean Desai, Matt Patricia, just about everybody else. And it's highly likely that the offense will get a new voice this offseason as well. Now, I do think it's possible that Brian Johnson stays on, but that they bring in an outside voice to help them get more creative, bring in in a guy who's, who's more familiar with motion, different kinds of things that the Eagles are not doing. But at the end of the day... This is Nick Sirianni's offense. It's not the Brian Johnson offense, and it's not going to be the offense of some new person that they bring in. As long as Nick Sirianni is the head coach, it's his offense, his vision. And I don't think he's going to suddenly change his stripes and adopt a a whole new offensive philosophy. He's not going to suddenly become Kyle Shanahan. He's not going to suddenly, uh, you know, become some some guy who doesn't who who, who change, does a one eighty. I just don't think that's going to be it. But it's clear something needs to change here. Just an example of the mindset here. Brian Johnson this week after A.J. Brown got one second-half target against the Cardinals said, we've got to force the ball to A.J. Brown sometimes and get him going. Now, what this has meant at various times this year is simply zeroing in on Brown or whoever else it is that the Eagles wanted to get involved that week, having them run the same routes over and over and forcing the ball to them whether they're open or not. Those go balls that he's good at, but our low percentage throws. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about scheme. Scheme A.J. Brown open. Use some creativity. Do the same thing with Devontae Smith. We're not talking about forcing the ball by just chucking it downfield and hoping A.J. Brown can get under it and make the catch. He can do that some, but I truly believe A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith could be a Debo Samuel-Brandon Ayuk duo if they ever let them do stuff like that and get creative. Much of the conversation 
has been about firing the offensive coordinator, firing the defensive coordinator. And again, I think Brian, jo- I think Brian Johnson should stay. I think continuity is important. And I don't think Brian Johnson's been the big problem. I also don't think Brian Johnson's going to get any better as a play caller if he gets one one year, gets one crack at it, and then he's done. Because I don't think this is all Brian Johnson. I think Nick Sirianni, his style of offense, his intuition in terms of when to be aggressive and when not to be aggressive, factors into the play calls that Brian Johnson makes. Right? I mean, that sequence at the end of the Cardinals game was obviously a disaster, but Brian Johnson's not on his own making the calls. They're, they're, Nick Sirianni is not just a part of that process. He's driving the train. As the CEO head coach, that's what he's supposed to do. And so there's calls for Brian Johnson to be fired. I, I would keep him, but I would bring in some outside voices to try and change things up a little bit. But as long as Nick Sirianni is the head coach, I don't think a whole lot is going to change on offense. We'll talk about defense in just a second. But now you're hearing, and I think it's legitimate, these calls questioning whether or not Nick Sirianni is going to survive into the 2025 season as the Eagles head coach if they go one and done in the playoffs. If this team loses in the wild card round to the Buccaneers. Listen, and the Eagles are a vastly superior team to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, talent-wise, looking at the roster on paper. There is no world in which the Eagles should lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a wild card matchup with Baker Mayfield as the starting quarterback. There's there's no there's no scenario where that should happen. If the Eagles lose in the wild card round, if they are the number five seed and have to hit the road, and again, there's that chance they could win the number two seed. We'll get to that in a minute. There will be pressure on Sirianni to have to defend this unfathomable, historic end of season collapse. Now, their 10 and one record probably should have been something more like eight and three or seven and four. And maybe some of these losses here at the end of the season should have been wins that weren't spread things out a little differently. And again, this 11 and five record would look much different, but they were 10 and one. They should have been on a glide path to the number one seed and an easy, an easy path to the Super Bowl. So as we're talking about the future of Nick Sirianni, if he does lose in the wild card round, and especially if this Sunday is ugly and the wild card round is ugly. They're, they're, the Eagles have to ask themselves, look, if, if Nick Sirianni's not calling the plays, Nick Sirianni in his first season demoted himself. Now, we, we, we credited that with his humility and understanding that that's what was best for the team, and it was. Shane Steichen clearly was the guy for that job, and Nick Sirianni took over the detail work. He took over a lot of the, a lot of the, other, the locker room stuff, a lot of the other stuff that a head coach needs to be focusing on game management, that kind of stuff. Nick Sirianni did that really well at the end of 2021 and throughout 2022. But that has suffered in 2023. Why? This team is sloppy. They make mistakes. They're not disciplined. It's, it's, I think the thing that is most frustrating and shocking about this is the, is the speed with which the Eagles went from a team that can't lose, right? Winning all those close games, doing all of the little things at the ends of games, to win, to suddenly can't win, suddenly doing everything possible to lose games at the end in the fourth quarter. How, what the, the, the whiplash of this is, I think, what is really disturbing to Eagles fans and has people wondering, 
what are Nick Sirianni's strengths? What is he, what, what is going on here? Once he stopped calling the plays, he really limited himself on what he was doing as a head coach. And so if he's not going to start calling plays again, and if they're going to bring in outside voices to change his offense, and if Roseman and Lurie are going to have a large role in naming a new offensive coordinator, if it comes to that, then I think it's fair to ask exactly what does Nick Sirianni do here? What is his role as the head coach? He's not if he's not going to call plays, he's not going to have him, you know, he's not going to be the one hiring the offensive coordinator. Or at least if he does, it's going to be largely driven by Roseman and Lurie. We saw them execute this same power play with Doug Peterson a couple of years ago and bringing in that Rich Scangarella guy. They could never make that work because you were trying to fit a square peg into a, a round hole. It didn't match with what Doug Peterson's philosophy was. It didn't match with the personnel. Now, that was a less talented team than I think this Eagles team is. But I think it's fair to ask, what what would Nick Sirianni's job be what, if, if that were all to come to pass? Because we, we have seen a dramatic decrease in, uh, and uh, a lack of of the Eagles doing all of the things that Nick Sirianni was supposedly good at, what his strengths were, team culture, fostering a solid veteran, mature clubhouse, making sure that everyone paid attention to the details. This team always did the little things right. But that just hasn't been the case this year. Heck, even when they were 10-1, and they were making a lot of mistakes. The details were getting missed, right? Veteran players were playing sloppy, making mistakes, holding penalties. Hertz was turning over the ball way too much. And, and and we have to talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts' play this year. He is a far cry as a runner from what he was a year ago. And that was such a huge part of this Eagles offense, a huge part of what made him effective, even as a passer, because defenses didn't know what was coming. They didn't know what Jalen Hurts was going to do from play to play. Would he hand it off? Would he keep it himself? And if he kept it himself, he was dynamic. He made players miss. If you watch Jalen Hurts rushing highlights from 2022, and then you watch rushing highlights from 2023, it's a different guy. 2022 Jalen Hurts is making sharp cuts to the outside, accelerating around the edges, accelerating upfield, making guys miss, running through people. That is that is not the Jalen Hurts we've seen this year. Defenses didn't know what to do with that Jalen Hurts. And then he would sit back in the pocket when they started kind of mush rushing and, and, and not going after him hard in the pocket, and he would just pick offenses apart all day. And the offensive talent around him has been there all season. It's been a healthy offense. All season long, Jalen Hurts is as healthy as he's ever been entering week 18. And we have to talk about that drop off in his play because he is a far cry as a runner from what he was a year ago. And maybe that's why everything has looked off all year. But the most distressing thing to me is, is not how they is not how they've responded to adversity, although that is a big problem. Clearly, when the San Francisco 49ers came into town. I think it confirmed a lot of the things that the Eagles were worried about themselves, that they weren't as good as their record, that maybe they were a paper-thin 10-1. and one. And so when the 49ers came in and humiliated them, and, and yes, it was a humiliation, a trash-talking 49ers team came into Philadelphia and bullied the bullies. And this is what you always hear about bullies, right? You smack a bully in the mouth and then suddenly they're not a bully anymore. It's not always true. In the case of the Eagles, it feels kind of true. The Eagles were the bullies. They've always been the bullies, especially in the trenches. That's been their identity. The Eagles' identity coming into this year is we're the bullies. We're going to dominate you in the trenches. We're just going to exert our will. 
offensively and defensively in the trenches. And that hasn't been there this year. But they kept winning these games by coming on in the second half. They would, they would, they would stumble around in the first half and then figure it out, get their legs under them. And then in the second half, they would, they would find a way to win. But you could tell that they didn't maybe really believe in themselves. And when San Francisco came into Philadelphia with all that trash talk and pounded them into a fine powder, the Eagles didn't know how to respond to that, I don't think. And that carried over the next week into Dallas. And of course, they're extenuating circumstances. The 49ers had extra rest. Dallas had extra rest. Jalen, and then Jalen Hurts went into the Seattle game on his deathbed. He shouldn't have played that night. Those three losses, though, in a row, you, you had excuses for them. There's no excuse for the Cardinals' loss. You had everything to play for. You had it all in front of you. You had a number two seed in front of you with an outside shot at the one seed still. And you let Jonathan Gannon come into Philadelphia and not just beat you. It wasn't a fluky win. He outcoached you. His players outplayed you. They wanted it more. That's a West Coast team traveling east for a one o'clock start. For the Cardinals' bodies, that's a 10 a.m. start for them. And they dominated offensively in that game. But the biggest thing to me is when you, when sometimes a team, you know, this is the first time they've had to face adversity and they're not handling it well. That's, that's, that's not terribly surprising. What is worrisome to me, I think the biggest thing to me, and I can't get past this Jeff McLean report in his podcast where he said that a team official said that they were the most miserable 10 and one team in the league. I can't wrap my mind around that. I can't, I keep coming back to that. What was broken with this team that they're that miserable at 10 and one? I come back to the coach. I come back to Nick Sirianni, who is an emotional guy who insists on accountability. And that's, that's always great. Accountability is great. You want players to own up to mistakes. And clearly the Eagles were making a lot of mistakes in getting to 10 and one. But you also have to appreciate the fact that you're 10 and one. You, you can't. And I don't know that this is what was happening, but my sense is that Nick Sirianni created an environment in the locker room when they're, when they're building up this 10-1 record that nothing was ever good enough. Can't take any joy in anything you're doing. The standard that they talk about was set so high it couldn't possibly be met, couldn't possibly be reached. And of course, you're bringing in a lot of these veteran players on one-year deals who don't really know the Eagles' culture all that well. You're bringing in these uh, young rookies from from Georgia who maybe have a different culture coming into the to the locker room. This Eagles locker room was supposed to fix all that. Like th this was the the best locker room in the NFL. And I don't I don't know. I'm not in the locker room, so I, I'm I'm listening to what I'm hearing from everybody else who is in there on a daily basis. But something was broken with this team, even when they were good. And that's the problem. That's what needs to be figured out. Why were they the most miserable team at 10 and one? Is that the head coach? Because I can't wrap my, my, my mind around that. The only thing that I can point to is that the coach made it that way. And now that they've gotten punched in the mouth, they didn't know how to respond. So how do they get, how do they find an identity here? And that's what they really need. They, it, it's, they need to figure out what are we going to be good at? What are we going to focus on? I heard BLG say uh, in the latest BGN radio that the team's identity now is uh, uh, to be passive and conservative, and certainly that's somewhat true. We saw that in that last, uh, that second to last drive against the Cardinals, and uh, we saw it. And we've seen it in numerous games. We saw it in the Super Bowl last year, as BLG mentioned, when they when they punted away to 
Kadarius Tony uh, when they probably should have gone for it in that spot. And I think BLG outlined some really good reasons why Nick Sirianni isn't the aggressive coach we've always thought he was. But this team has to get back to being that dominant team in the trenches. That's where they've spent all their money. They've got three offensive linemen in the Pro Bowl. Hassan Reddick is in the Pro Bowl. They've got talent all over that defensive line. And I do think they're tired, especially on the defensive line. I do think those units are tired. But you can argue, should they be tired? Right? These are these are these are young guys. Sports medicine is is that I think Seth Joyner was arguing this this week. There's no excuse for these guys to be tired right now. Yes, it's a 17 game season. Yes, for some of these rookies, especially these Georgia guys who are who are playing, they've never played this much before. So you know, maybe give them a little bit of grace. But where's Josh Sweat? Where's Brandon Graham? You know, where Darius Slay? It looks like is finally going to get back on the field here in Week 18. But James Bradbury tanked. Zach Cunningham, thankfully, is going to be back on the field. But the fact that Zach Cunningham is his team's, they're counting on him as his team's run defense savior is, 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 that is not how this team's blueprint was set up at the start of the year. This year, those units have underperformed, especially the defensive line, although I think the offensive line has not dominated at the end of games the way they should and the way they did last year. But the, the answer to these, the, ask, the question that we're asking here is why? Why can't the D-line get pressure? Why can't Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis get anything going up front? Why can't they stop the run? Is it scheme? Is it fatigue? It's probably a little bit of both. But this defense is completely and totally lost. They are lost. They were, they, uh, have you seen some of these All-22 videos from this game against the Cardinals? It's jailbreak on the defense, the Cardinals come to the line and you'll see two, three, four, five Eagles defenders running around, pointing at each other. Where are they going? Who's going where? You see Eagles players running around on defense as the ball is being snapped. It's like they're playing musical chairs, trying to get a seat before the music stops. It's comical. It would be funny if it didn't result in the Cardinals putting up 35 points of offense. It's a joke. There's the, in, on the game-winning touchdown, you, the Cardinals sent a, a receiver into motion uh, from the the side uh, where where they ran the ball over to the other side, and you saw three Eagles players run after him. Like, what do we? What is happening? There's so much confusion going on here. And on Thursday, Hassan Reddick was asked, you know, is was switching to Matt Patricia? Is, is that's what's causing some of these issues? And he said, Yeah, Patricia has a different style, a way of doing things. Changing things up on the fly has been difficult. He said it's a hard thing to do. Uh, Olivia Reiner of The Inquirer was asking him this question. He said, um, it was definitely a hard thing. You spend so much time with one defensive coordinator and learning a new defensive coordinator uh, at the beginning of the year, trying to learn everything he wants us to do, his terminology, the way he calls things. And then toward the end of the season, they switch it up. Uh, but he said, but like I said, at the end of the day, we got to get it done. That's what the higher ups here felt was needed to get done in order to try and make a change and get some things corrected. As players, we've got to go out there and do our best to perform. But it's clear the Eagles had trouble switching from Jonathan Gannon to Sean Desai. And now it's even more clear that the switch from Desai to Patricia has been an unmitigated disaster. But they can't go back. They can't go back now. And Patricia is running this 5-1-5 scheme where the Eagles are bringing one blitzer or at least having five guys up on the line of scrimmage and, and teams are spreading them out and forcing Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham into covering slot guys. Like, it's just what the Eagles are allowing to have happen here is moronic. But this is Matt Patricia we're talking about, who 
is not a good defensive coach. But this that switch has been an unmitigated failure, and Sirianni has to be held accountable for that. And it sure sounds like Sirianni was the one who initiated this. Now, despite not knowing what Sirianni is actually doing well or what he brings to the table if the Eagles feel his scheme needs to change, you could make the argument that he should be let go. I don't think Lurie and Roseman want to get into the habit of firing their head coach every three years. Remember, this is a team that had Andy Reid here for well over a decade. And we have to be careful not to overreact to a very, very poor five games. Because remember, this team was 10-1. and one. <laughs> after, after the 11th game, after that Bills game, I was calling them the new Patriots, for crying out loud. I was saying, Hertz is our Brady. Jake Elliott's our Vinatieri. Because it just seemed like they couldn't lose, no matter what they did. And of course, we've seen that trend reversed. But we, we've, I think it's important not to just throw the baby out with the bathwater after five bad games, after five, four losses in five games. And yes, I know they weren't playing great during the 10-1 and one stretch, but they were playing well enough against good teams to win. So uh, I'm, you know, I don't think that was all smoke and mirrors. But I think you also have to save some blame for Howie Roseman here. He shouldn't get away scot-free with the way he put together this defense. It's frankly not good enough. He did not pay enough attention to linebackers. They relied too heavily on N'Kobe Dean to be uh, an impact player in the middle. They had to go out during the season, and they had to go get a bunch of guys off the scrap heap. Shaq Leonard should not see the field again. He's toast. Kevin Byard has not made an impact in any way, shape, or form. You know, they didn't get that Linval Joseph help this year. And that's not unexpected. You know, it's rare when you get somebody that helps you that much in the middle of the season as a cast-off. Bradley Roby has been okay, but that's not going to be that that's not going to be an anchor. He let TJ Edwards go. He just dismissed Christian Ellis. And who Ellis was not great, but he after one bad game, they're they're sending him packing. They thought they could bring him back and like four other teams put in a claim. That was a huge whiff for Howie Roseman. Keeping Bradbury over CJ GJ. Right now looks like a mistake. Now CJ GJ tore his peck in week two, but you know, who knows if he does that if he's playing for the Eagles. And right now, Jordan Davis over Kyle Hamilton in the draft two years ago looks like a bad call. Nolan Smith over Brian Branch looks like a bad call. Too early for both of those guys. You can't call those guys busts just yet. But Jordan Davis has been a non-factor for most of this season, his second season. He has two years, and he has not given this team very much at all. After a hot start, Jalen Carter is giving this team virtually nothing. Howie Roseman has to stop ignoring off-ball linebacker and safety. Bringing in these vets on one-term deals, that's not the answer. So Howie Roseman has to take some blame in this defense, and, and they've got to get rid of this Vic Fangio-style scheme. They've got, to, they've got to do something different because the league has caught up to it. But if we're talking about keeping Nick Sirianni, which, again, I do think the Eagles should do. I think it's a bad look for the Eagles to fire Nick Sirianni unless things just go catastrophic in the wild card loss. I mean, if it's if it's like 42 to 3 or 42 to 10, you know something like that, you may have to have a conversation if Nick doesn't have any answers for what to do next. But you've got to ask yourself, was this just a slump, a bad run due to bad circumstances and a Super Bowl hangover, or is something rotten at the core? Have the players turned on Nick Sirianni? But Nick Sirianni has a 680 winning percentage. That is first among active NFL coaches 
and second all-time behind only George Hallis. Jeff Curve, CBS Sports, noted that Sirianni has coached 50 games in his NFL career. He's 34 and 16. That 680 winning percentage is 10th in NFL history. His average division finish of 1.3 is highest for any coach that coached three seasons, and it's the highest winning percentage again among active coaches. The Eagles are the first team in almost three decades to lose both coordinators after a Super Bowl trip. That's big. That is a that is a big thing to have to overcome. So is that why we're seeing what we're seeing here in 2023? Is it losing both coordinators after a Super Bowl loss? Is, is, is that the main cause of all this? If so, you would think things would be better in 2024, that they would be, that they would be able to right the ship. And so I think maybe that is, that's something that I think the Eagles need to try and do. I, I don't think that firing everybody, you clearly have to change the defense. But I don't know that I would make a ton of changes offensively. I would bring in some new voices. I would bring in, I would bring in somebody that can help this offense get out of this stale funk that they're in utilize motion a little bit more in a way that makes sense, but they can't, they can't go rich Scangarella again and try to force a, uh, force an offensive philosophy onto a coach that isn't going to be able to incorporate it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Now, I will say one of the things that I do feel a little bit better about here entering week 18 is what A.J. Brown had to say to reporters. He hadn't spoken to reporters in a couple of weeks. Everybody's trying to guess as to what his problems are. We see his body language on the field, shoulders slumping, shaking his head. He's been kind of yelling at you know people on the sidelines all season long, even in wins. And so he finally came out and talked about why he didn't want to talk the last couple of weeks and I think was very upfront. He was very honest about it, just talking about frustration, said he wasn't mad at coaches. He wasn't mad at play calls. That's, of course, what we were inferring, reading between the lines. What else could it be? And I still don't know that he fully articulated exactly why he wasn't talking other than to just say he was frustrated with how they were playing. Well, if that's the case, you can say that and you're not going to get in any trouble. I just don't know. I don't know what was on his mind in those moments when he decided not to talk because he clearly didn't want to get himself in trouble. Was he worried about blaming fellow players? We don't know. We don't know. But he took some ownership of some of the things that have gone wrong at the end of that Seahawks game, that deep ball that they tried to throw at the very end of the game when the Eagles had like 12 seconds and two timeouts trying to move into field goal range that was intercepted. He said that was an improvised call by Hertz and Brown. What is that all about? Why, why is that happening? Like Jalen, what are you doing? AJ, what are you doing? 
But he credited Nick Sirianni for taking the blame about trying to say, well, sometimes you try to get a pass interference on that play. He said, that's not what was going on. We improvised it. And Nick Sirianni went out there and looked like a fool for us. We've got his back. He made it clear his frustrations weren't with coaches or specific teammates. And I think he voiced the frustrations of everybody in, in the locker room. He put the onus on the players. And yes, that's where much of this needs to be. Jordan Mailata needs to not hold on that first and 10 running play from the 20 in the fourth quarter. The, the offense has done stuff like that all season long at the end of games. But the play calling, the Eagles just don't look like they know what to do in these situations. And I think that filters down into the players. The players look uncertain because I don't think the coaches know what to do. Calling that timeout on third and 16 and then coming out with Kenny Gainwell. But I mean, you had you had substitution problems after the A.J. Brown catch that made it uh, first and 10. After the, after the Jordan Mailata penalty made it first and 20. People didn't know who was supposed to be on the field. That can't happen. That's coaching. And when you have uncertainty, when your coaches are uncertain, that's going to filter down to how the players play. But it's also very simple. On defense... They need to generate a pass rush. They need to they need to shed blocks. They need to tackle. They need to do their jobs. The amount of confusion out there is certainly a product of poor coaching, but many of these guys are simply playing poorly. Is it fatigue? I don't know. Is it uncertainty about scheme, not knowing where they're supposed to go? That could be it. I don't know that Brown's locker room comments are going to save the season. It's doubtful that they will, but I think it certainly does help people feel a little bit better. I hope it feels that helps the team feel a little bit better. And I do think they're going to win on Sunday and temporarily right the ship. Although um, in, a, in a story for Bleeding Green Nation uh, this week, I advocated for resting many of the starters and allowing this to act as a mini bye week. There's a number of reasons why I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, the, you're, you're pro you could beat the Giants with a lot of your backup guys anyway, but you're going to stay healthy. Uh, you're going to give this team a chance to get a, a mini a mini bye week in, in, after having lost the number one seed when you would have had that all-important bye week. A bye week heading into the playoffs is just hugely important. Uh, going into Tampa to play the Buccaneers might be better than a home game against the Packers as the two seed or the, the Seahawks as the two seed. Might not be the worst thing in the world, but... There, there are a number of reasons why it makes sense. But even just changing it up, doing something different, giving the coaches a chance to reset, maybe, if you if you kind of treat this week like a bye week and rest your starters. I, I think it would be, especially if the Cowboys are up big against the Commanders, just just pull the guys. The, the, the turf in New York is awful. You don't want Jalen Hurts getting hurt going into the playoffs. Just, you know, let's, let's not fiddle around with this too much. But Dallas is not going to lose to the Commanders in Washington and give them the number two seed. They're going to be on the road, and it's likely going to be in Tampa. If it's not Tampa, it's, it's going to be in New Orleans against the Saints. And yes, the Eagles should win those games. They should be favored in those games. But the way they've played on defense, they just, I swear, you line, when they line up in 5-1-5 as an offensive coordinator, you got to look at it and you're like, we're going to run the ball all day. There's nobody there in the middle of the field. It's, it's easy. Defenders are playing Way too far off, guys. But that's just been the way it's always been with this defense. So I know I've been rambling. I, this has just been kind of a, a a rambling podcast. I do understand that. I do still believe that this is a talented team. And even if they lose in the wild card round, I would not advocate for Nick Sirianni to be fired. I would even advocate for Brian Johnson to keep his job and see if there's improvement in year two. Continuity is huge for football teams, and the Johnson-Siriani offense hasn't been abysmal. They've been good enough so that a reasonably competent defense would have them as the number one seed right now. 
I think Johnson can grow in his job and Hertz and Sirianni can grow together with the same voice, bring in some other guys to help, sure. But the big changes need to happen on defense. I don't know how much better this unit can be with Matt Patricia. Maybe they get back to some of the concepts that Sean Desai was using. There's going to have to be a major overhaul on defense, but that can't take place between now and the end of the season. And I think if you're if you're thinking if you're looking for reasons why this Eagles team can maybe win a playoff game or two, maybe they can surprise us. Maybe they can get back to being the team that went ten and one. The thing you come back to is they still have Jalen Hurts, who, despite the fact that he's not as dynamic as he was a year ago, is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He is the guy. He hasn't played as well as last year, and some of that may be due to his. We haven't talked about this a whole lot, but you know he was a darling in the NFL this offseason. The spotlight was on him a whole lot more this offseason. More was demanded of him and his time this offseason. Is it possible that all of that extra attention, all of those extra uh, duties that he has to attend to as a new megastar in the NFL, did that affect his... And it was a shortened offseason also with, with playing in the Super Bowl. Did all of that culminate in maybe him not being as sharp, as athletic as he was a year ago? I don't know. Uh, all I know is he's more one-dimensional right now, and it's affected everything on offense. But I also do know that he can carry this team. He can carry this team to playoff wins. And if you're looking for something to hang your hat on, Jalen Hurts is one of those things you can hang your hat on. And he can't do everything. And if the Eagles are going to make a playoff run, it's going to have to be on the backs of the offense. But um, that's how this can can turn around. Just If the defense can just play mediocre this team can win some playoff games and and who knows who knows how far they can go after that but that may be more of an optimistic take on the current state of the eagles than you're looking for but i would just remind everyone it's it's been five really awful games and it just feels worse because we were not confident in this team even when they were running up their record to 10 and 1 but it's been five games where the where the bottom has dropped out and it's not over yet although it certainly does feel that way. Now, the Eagles do come into the playoffs at nearly full strength. Right now, it seems like every starter will be available. Um, Devontae Smith is not practicing this week, but if Devontae Smith plays, every starter, every starter will be available. This is, It's unbelievable that they were able to repeat the health luck that they had last year into this year. That should be giving them a huge advantage over every other team they're going to face. The fact that they are like completely healthy on offense and defense, it's crazy. Maybe that will. Maybe that will help. But let's take a look at uh, some of the other games that are going on this uh, this Sunday and what it could mean for the NFC playoff picture. Uh, there are only two teams still competing for the final playoff spot in the NFC, uh, and that is in the NFC South, uh, where you have uh, the Buccaneers and the Saints who are both uh, playing for that NFC South title. But let's make our way through some of these games. Uh, the 49ers have obviously clinched the one seed. The Detroit Lions are the NFC North champs. Uh, the Cowboys, if they win, they're NFC East champs. The Rams have clinched a playoff berth. They are locked in uh, as the number six seed. The Eagles are locked in as the five seed if they are a wild card. Now, uh, the Falcons take on the Saints uh, on Sunday at one o'clock. Atlanta clinches the NFC South division with a win. And if Tampa Bay loses uh, the Dallas Cowboys at Washington, of course, Dallas clinches the NFC East with a win or a if both team, both the Eagles and Cowboys tie or if the Eagles 
lose. Packers in Chicago. Uh, Chicago is seven to nine. I didn't realize they were seven to nine, but they play Sunday at four twenty-five. Um, Green Bay uh, clinches a playoff spot with a win um, or a number of other scenarios, a, a tie and a Seattle law. I mean, there's a lot of other things they can do, um, but really, if Green Bay wins, they are in. There's still some ways they could get in if they if they lose, but it's it's pretty complicated. Uh, you've got the Vikings taking on the Lions. Minnesota clinches a playoff berth if they win, and Green Bay. Seattle and Tampa all lose, or if they win, and Green Bay, Seattle, and New Orleans all loses. So a complicated scenario. But remember, in 2008, the Eagles needed that exact same type of scenario in order to get into the playoffs, and then they did, and then they went all the way to the NFC Championship game. And then you've got the Saints uh, against the Falcons uh, on Sunday as well. Uh, New Orleans clinches the NFC South with a win and a Tampa Bay loss or tie. Um, New Orleans clinches a playoff berth with a win and a Seattle loss or tie and a Green Bay loss or tie or a New Orleans tie and a Seattle loss and a Green Bay loss. There's so many dumb things going on here. And then uh, the Eagles can clinch the division still if they win and Dallas loses. Seattle clinches a playoff berth if they win and Green Bay loses. So that's what they need. They need a, they need a win and they need for Green Bay to lose. Uh, you've got the Bucks at the Panthers. Um, this is the most likely scenario. Tampa Bay clinches the NFC South with a win, right? They beat the Panthers. They're in. Um, if they tie and New Orleans loses, Tampa Bay would also clinch the NFC South. So that may be way more than you needed to know uh, about the NFC playoff picture there. But that's that's what it's looking like here in the NFC. Over in the AFC, the way things are shaking up right now, you've got Baltimore as the top seed. Uh, Miami is the two with Kansas City the three. Jacksonville the four. But Jacksonville has not clinched a playoff spot as of yet. Cleveland has. They're locked in as the five seed uh, with Buffalo as the six seed. And and the Colts as the seven seed right now. Buffalo and Indianapolis still have not clinched. So three playoff spots in the AFC uh, still to be clinched here in the final week of the season. All right, let me give you my prediction for this Eagles game. I do think they'll win. I've picked the Eagles to win every week this year. Um, for a little while there, it was looking like a pretty smart thing to pick the Eagles, but I, I don't... Boy, I'm just trying to imagine the bottom totally falling out of this team. And it's certainly plausible. It's certainly possible. I don't think the Eagles are going to blow this team out. And it's possible they lose if they pull their starters in the second half. But my guess is the starters will start the game. I'm hopeful that they can build up a lead. Uh, the Giants don't have really anything to play for either here. So I'll, I'll say, let's say the Eagles win this game, and I'll say it's... Uh, 27 to 17. Eagles beat the Giants 27 to 17. Um... And they go into the playoffs, and they'll play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in down in Florida. That is uh, that is the way things are looking like they're going to shake out here on Sunday afternoon. But with this Eagles team, boy, you never really know. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thank you for listening to me rant. I hope that made sense. I hope you all were able to stick with it uh, this whole time. And uh, when we talk next week, we will uh, be talking to a writer who is covering whatever team uh, the Eagles are going to play in the opening round of the playoffs, either the Bucks or the New Orleans Saints. I guess it could also be the Falcons if a couple of different things happen. So uh, we'll do that next week on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you then, right here on Eye on the Enemy. P-G-N. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.